0: Amen. Morning, everyone. Good to be with you all today. I am, uh, Vince is thankful for coffee and I'm thankful for air conditioning uh, because it does feel a little bit cooler in here than it does outside. And uh, uh, many of you know, um, you know, I'm going to do a series on who your real friends are because I moved yesterday. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, we had so much help. Hannah and I did move yesterday. We had so many people show up and help, and uh, we feel really blessed by by that and by you all. And uh, we're excited for that. And uh, it was also my birthday. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that was my wife saying it was. Um, but it was, and uh, I'm thankful uh, to be here, thankful to be alive, and thankful to be talking with you all today. Um, so, uh, let's see, a little over a month ago, um, kind of the end of May, beginning of June, uh, Hannah and I were on sabbatical for uh, about four weeks, and um, part of that, uh, part of the main reason for that time is is rest, but also it's time to connect with God. And so, uh, I'm really happy for the Larson's to be go- going on theirs, and we're kind of like, Tag teaming, it's like, hey, I'm back. All right now, you guys go. <laughs> and um, uh, I was just so thankful for that time to connect with God, and I wanted to be intentional about doing that. And so, one of the things I did was I set up a, a solo retreat, and I went camping up in Idlewild. And it was only, you know, ten dollars a night for a camp campsite, and I had this view of the mountains. And I went up there, and I just brought a Bible, and a journal, and one book. And I was committed to three days to try not to go crazy <laughs> hearing my own thoughts and just try to spend time with God, try to reflect on what he's doing and saying in my life and and trying to reflect on what he was doing in this church body and in this family because uh, a good chunk of this year, so many uh, people who are part of our church are going through really tough things, going through suffering, going through loved ones passing away, going through sicknesses and cancer and surgeries and And that's weighing heavy on all of us. And it was weighing heavy on me at that time. And so I was like, God, i got to connect with you. And I felt like God put the Psalms on my heart, the book of Psalms. And um, I don't know, some of you, uh, I was talking to someone earlier today, Psalms is not always the easiest book to connect with sometimes. As we read them, it, it can be a little bit puzzling. But I felt like God was putting on my heart to read through the Psalms and not just to read through them, but to study them like uh and not even just to study, but to pray through the psalms, like to slow down if God was saying to me I'm putting something in my heart and copy the verse down and kind of sit on it a little bit and and I started doing that, and I ended up reading through the whole book of psalms in that in that in about a month, five or six weeks or something and and that's that's the longest book of the Bible. It takes a long time to get through that many psalms, but I felt like. More and more, like my heart was connecting with God through the Psalms, and I think that's the way it should be. Um, because I don't know if you realize this, but the Psalms are have have been the song book and the prayer book of the people of God for over three thousand years. They, they, the The first Psalms started to be written in. B.C. 1400. So that's about 3,400 years ago. And since then, like the way that the people of God have prayed has been with that book. There are psalms that are are said and prayed aloud every Passover every year for the past several thousand years. Like it's the way, it's the song, it's been the song book of the church. If you want to know the songs that Jesus sang when he went to church, read the psalms. If you want to know the prayer book that Jesus used as he was growing up and as he was in his ministry, read the Psalms. There's there's a wealth of not just knowledge, but heart knowledge and spiritual knowledge and way for us to connect with God. And that's what, that's what I discovered during this time. And so today as I was preparing uh, to preach, or not today, looking forward to today as I was preparing, I wanted to share... From that, I wanted to share from some of the things that God has put on my heart, specifically from Psalm 19, um, which many of you may be familiar with. um, And I want to share from Psalm 19 because it kind of has to do with that baseline of what you need to know in order to connect with God. And that's the, the, the point you have to understand before you can even connect with God is this, that God... The God we worship is a God who reveals himself. The only way we know about God is that he chooses to reveal himself to us and wants us to know him. And that's what this psalm is about. And so as we go through this psalm, I just want to kind of go through sections and talk about the ways that this psalm says that God reveals himself to us. Is that all right? If you got a Bible, you can turn to Psalm 19. It'll be on the screen. If you need a Bible, you can run up here. It won't be too distracting. And you can just grab them right now because uh, we have and a bunch of them. All right. Anyways, let's go. Psalm 19 uh, verse 1 says this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. There's that word reveal. They reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet, their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other, and nothing is deprived of its warmth. The heavens declare the glory of God silently, without words. I remember uh, several years ago, the first time I went to Yosemite. Anyone been to Yosemite? Yeah. Yeah? and we were gonna do a big hike and so we had to get up super early in the morning and you know, while it's still really dark, I don't know, we got up at three or something and we're trying to move around a campsite at three in the morning and not make too much noise and get our backpacks and all that stuff and then we get to the trailhead and just by chance I happened to look up and it was like more stars than I'd ever seen in my life. And I grew up in the country. (laughs) I grew up in a big town of 5,000 people in Arkansas. But I looked up and this was so many stars at four in the morning, pitch black except for just the stars. Just like, I don't think the moon was at it, but it was just, just felt that much light. And I just stopped. Like, I could, we, were, we needed to start hiking, but I just stopped and I was just in awe. And there might have even been a tear, I don't know. But it was just beautiful, right? And how many of you have had a moment like that? Whether it's with the stars or maybe for you it's watching the sunset. Um, you know, going out to sunset cliffs and watching the sun go down, or climbing a mountain and getting a mountaintop view, or whatever it may be. We've all had moments like that. And, um, you know, I, what's going on when we have those moments? You know, what's going on in my head is not like, I wonder how many stars per square inch are up there, and I wonder how many million miles. It's not fully that. It's something bigger. There's the facts and the figures, and that's amazing, but it's bigger than that. You know what's happening? It's awe. It's awe at, at the one who made this, because I know how far that is out there, and I can't even comprehend how big space is, and how small I am, and how much—if space is that big—how how how much bigger is God who made it, right? And if I'm that small, like why does He even care about me? And yet Psalm eight says, you know, who is man? Who's mankind that you're mindful of them? That you love them? He. He loves us. And so you're there in that moment, and it's like, whoa. And in those moments, you remember even just for a second who's really in control. Yeah, yeah. Am I right? Yeah. I used to say I watch the sunset to remember who's in control because yes. it calms my heart. slows me down. It, re, it reminds me that whatever I'm going through, you, you know, how, how easy is it to forget that God's in control? Yeah. Yeah. Anyone with me? <laughs> Um, it's so easy to think that uh, to just get caught up in our own problems which are very real I'm not discounting our problems but it's easy to get caught up in them it's easy to not see anything past them it's easy to look up at the skies and not see that the heavens are declaring the glory of God silently proclaiming it that God is still in control. That God, the God who made all this, this is this pales in comparison to His glory. You know that that's one of the things about this passage that's so amazing that it was written however many thousand years ago by David. Is that in the ancient Near East it was very common for cultures to worship the sun, to worship the sun as a god, and yet there's three verses in here that that describes the sun and how amazing it is, but it's. All of it is just saying the sun is just a piece of God's creation that points to his glory. <laughs> that God is the one who put the sun there. And the fact that we see it every day and it rises and sets and it all no, nothing is deprived of its warmth mm-hmm. yeah. is evidence not of the sun's glory but of God's glory because he made it. It's so important to have those moments of bigger perspective. Amen? Yeah, yeah, right. We need it because it's so easy to forget. God is in control. We live in a society that doesn't look up at the stars. I mean, we do, but we don't see God's glory in it. We we live in a society that is not set up to remember the sovereignty of God in all things. We live in a society that is always... Always frantic, always anxious, always looking to the problem that's going on right now, and every <coughs> problem is here. Every problem is an eleven. <laughs> it's not like a seven or six point three, it's eleven. I mean, if you just just scroll through your feed, right? We we don't live with constant reminders. Our our society's not set up with constant reminders that, hey, I know things are going on, but God's in control. It's like Hey, things are going wrong. Things are going wrong. Things are going wrong. Things are going wrong. Okay, I'm rambling a little bit. We need those reminders. Everything around us is set up to ignore the sovereignty of God. But Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You're not even going to understand what life is about. If you don't have a deep reverence for the one who made you, good luck. Living wisely We love nature We appreciate nature But we've lost that connection to the source We've lost that connection with what it means We don't connect the dots We think nature, mother nature is great But we don't connect it to God <laughs> Who made nature I remember a few years ago I was reading an a, a article um, And they were, they were saying Hey science shows that If you spend time in nature It's a reset to your body so your, your, your hormones that have to do with stress, and you start to think clearly if you can spend three days in nature. And I was like, well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, aren't you? I, I mean, we can prove it scientifically, but we don't point it back to the one who made it that way. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Get the science right, but ignore the source of it. <laughs> Um, my degree is in biology. I, I like to joke that I'm the preacher with a biology degree, not a Bible degree. <laughs> um, but I'm working on that. I'm <laughs> in school uh, to get the Bible degree. But I remember sitting in biology, and I sat through a lot of classes with professors who were brilliant and didn't believe in God at all and felt like they could explain, you know. Uh, everything that has evolved without the hand of God and I remember sitting in a class in cell biology and uh, the professor w- we went through literally every every microscopic part within your cell so not just cells we went we went through everything that makes the cell work so that you can have metabolism so that you can take those things that you're eating and turn them into energy somehow <laughs> and and we were learning that the whole semester and I remember being there in classes professor doesn't believe in God, not talking about God at all, talking against God. And I remember sitting in there and my heart, just bursting with worship, like holding back tears because how amazing is this? That now after thousands and thousands and however long, like however many hundreds of years we've had science and been figuring this out. And now we can see it happening and we can explain it. We can put it up on the chalkboard. God did that before we even thought about it. And it's been going on for every generation, for every person, and every one of the billions of cells in your body. You didn't even think about it today when you had that donut on the way to this place. Just me? Okay. That was a, that was a confession. I earned it. I moved yesterday, all right? Yeah, and it was my birthday. Cake, donuts. Don't have to tell me twice. Um <laughs> But I remember sitting in those classes and just like, wow, God. But if you're not connecting those dots, if you're not listening to the heavens that are declaring the glory of God, you're going to miss the purpose. You're going to miss what God is trying to say to you. You're going to miss those moments where God is trying to say, I've got you. I know your world feels like it's everywhere. I know it feels like it's a flurry and you can't control it and you can't see the end of where you're going, but I've got. I've got you. The stars are shining at night. You don't even understand it. But I've got you. Maybe you're here today and you need that reset. I don't know. I don't know what you're going through. Some of you I do. But maybe you're here today and and you need that reset. You need that moment of awe to remember how amazing God is. They don't always come up so so, um, easily and so often. Uh, you know, speaking of the stars, I didn't know if I was Well, I remember a few years ago Lily was hanging out with us uh, With Hannah and I in our neighborhood And we were walking at night and she looked up and she goes Oh look, stars And the thing is, we live in like City Heights A town area And it's like, you can't, like, you can see like four stars <laughs> And, uh, but she lives downtown So it was more than downtown <laughs> Oh look, stars we're like, we gotta take you camping Um But those moments don't come so often, right? But maybe you need a reset today. And and this is, I'm going to be a preacher who tells you, take a camping trip for the glory of God. Watch a sunset and remember that God loves you and he's in control and that he made it. Even though you don't understand it and you don't see the next day, he does. Amen? Whatever it is, God reveals himself through the world that he made. God has revealed part of his glory through the world that he made. And it's to our advantage to stop and notice it and see how it points us to God. Amen? Amen. Next one. So God reveals himself through the world. God reveals himself through his word. In the next verse, David makes just an an abrupt turn. It's like, now I'm going this way. he's talking about creation, and then he switches from uh, the world that God's made to the word that God has given us. He says this. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring Forever, The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. And then he says this. They are much more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By keeping them, your servant is one, and in keeping them, there is great reward. So, pardon me. David switches. He talks about the word of God. And the psalms are, they're songs, they're poetry. And it's different to preach on because it's not like we're dissecting the meaning of each line and and distilling it down and giving it to you. It's, It's supposed to hit you in your heart. But what's interesting is when you look at this section, David takes six synonyms for the word of God. The word that God has given us. He's saying not only does God show himself through creation, he doesn't just give us that and have us guess the rest. You know, we would know a lot about God's glory if we just looked at creation, but we wouldn't know about grace unless we have the Word, right? We wouldn't know about God's, the rest of God's character or His commands, how He wants us to live, except for the Word of God. Y'all with me? Yeah. Right. And so what he does is he takes six different descriptions of the Word of God, the, the law, the statutes, the precepts, the commands, the fear of the Lord, the decrees. And he describes them in these ways. It's perfect. Think God's word is perfect. God's word is trustworthy. God's word is right. God's word is radiant. God's word is firm. It's more precious than gold. Sweeter than honey. From the honeycomb. And then it does yeah, then it, doesn't, it doesn't leave it there. It not only describes God's word, it says how it affects you. Right? Do you see that? It says it refreshes the soul. God's word makes wise the simple. So if you can admit to being simple, God's word will make you wiser. Amen. God's word gives joy to your heart. God's word gives light to your eyes. It's the way that you can see. God's word endures forever, and everything in God's word is righteous. As I read that, I have to ask us today, is that the way we think of the Word of God? Are those the thoughts? Do we relish the time that we get to spend in God's Word that refreshes our soul, that gives joy to our heart? I think sometimes we do. I think if you're here today and you are a Christian, you wouldn't be a Christian if God's Word didn't do that to your heart. Right, but I also think sometimes we we go we get astray and we start thinking not of God's word in those terms, but we we more think of it as a book of commands instead of a book of grace. We we more think of it as uh, an instruction manual for life. Anyone heard that? One person has heard that. Anyone else heard that? Instruction. I heard that all the time. I've heard that a lot. Instruction manual for life instead of a love letter from God. Right. I'm not saying it's not an instruction manual for life. I'm just saying we tend to put it in the category. Many Christians, I've, I've been there so much of my walk with Jesus, and I've talked to other people who've been there a lot, where we think of the Word as something that we should be doing. That we should be doing more. That we sh- I know I'm not, but I should. And, and, and the thing is, we should, right? That's <laughs> not, <it's> not untrue. <laughs> we should. But, but not, I think, when I read this... I feel like God is telling us, not only is it a should thing, it's a get to thing. It's not the word of God and spending time in his word and meditating on his word and learning what it means and studying it and applying it to our lives. is not just a should thing that we should always feel like we're we're never living up to. It's also a get to thing. Right. Because what does it say? Um, It's more precious than gold, than much pure gold. Now we think of gold, and yes, it's valuable, and maybe you have invested in it, and it is very valuable. But we also think of other things that are really valuable, or I don't know if it's you know Bitcoin or whatever, platinum, whatever. But in this culture, gold is the most valuable thing. And what does he say about God's word? It's more precious than much pure gold. And then honey, it's sweeter than honey, honey from the honeycomb. Same thing. They don't have the donuts that I you know ate. <laughs> And the, and the red velvet nothing bunt cake, right? They don't have that. What do they have if they want to get something sweet? Honey. And what's the freshest, sweetest version of that? Honey from the honeycomb. And what does it say about scripture? It's sweeter than honey. Sweeter than the sweetest thing that you can think of. And, and, and listen to me. If we thought of God's word that way, what would happen? No one has to convince you to work for gold. <laughs> right? No one has to. Can, to if you, uh, yeah. <laughs> right? If if you need money to survive, and, and no one has to convince you to. Hey, you gotta work for that. No, it's like you do it, and you do it gladly. Right? God's word. What if God's word was sweeter to us than gold? I mean, more. <laughs> more that works too. Whatever. <laughs> what if it was sweeter to us than honey? No one. No one has to convince me. To, I had to convince a few of the people yesterday moving. Um, it's okay, you, it's a cheat day You can eat that donut No one had to convince me I had like two or three But, but what what if we looked at God's word that way Here's what I mean about the instruction manual for life I, I, I get it and I agree with it God's word does teach us how to live And it teaches us about God's character So I'm not saying that But I'm saying there's an extra level to that There's a one-up, if you will, to that Because think about it who reads an instruction manual for fun? <laughs> I mean, maybe a couple engineer types or, you know, maybe. But most of us don't, like, think of reading an instruction manual as exhilarating reading. That's like, we might read it if we're, if we're having trouble sleeping. It's like three lines in, I'm out, right? But how do you read a love letter? You're, you're pouring over every line. It, 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 how you approach something changes how you read it and how you experience it. Right. You don't know, believe me? When you check the mail, how do you read the junk mail? <laughs> Trash or <Yeah>. recycling? <laughs> how do you? I'm notorious for that. I just don't even look at it. It's just. <laughs> and then, how do you read bills? <laughs> you read it with a big smile. I was <laughs> like, ah. all right. And then, how do you read a letter from a friend or a thank you note? Or something that you were anticipating, like <laughs> uh, my driver's license, which is now expired. I'm anticipating the mail, waiting for that. Right? How we approach viewing God's word. What if we looked at it as this is a love letter from God? I can pour over every word and study it because when I'm studying it, I'm learning about the God who made all this and the God who made me, and I'm learning what His character is, and I'm learning what He wants for me. Amen. What if we saw it like gold and honey? What if we saw it as sustaining and life-giving? What if we saw it as our way that God is revealing himself to us? Maybe you're here today before we move to the next one, and, and that's what you need. You need to ask the Holy Spirit, help me to reframe it. Help me to reframe it, that whatever it is, whether it's an uh, audio book or whether I'm gonna. Read a psalm this week or whatever it is God help me to reframe it Help me to move it from that should category To that I get to category yeah. And he will He will Amen Alright y'all still with me yeah, yeah. AC still going on yeah, yeah. Alright good um, God reveals himself uh, through the world Through his word And then the next part we're going to see That God reveals our need for him God reveals our need for him, even through our sin. Another abrupt turn. David's been talking about God's word and how beautiful and amazing it is. But then he starts to talk about himself and reflect on himself. He says this in verse 12. But who can discern their own errors? You feel that jolt? (laughs) It's kind of like, everything's been good so far. (laughs) Amazing. God's word, amazing. Then it goes into errors. (laughs) Who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. There's stuff in there that I don't even know. (laughs) I don't even know what's messed up, God, but forgive it. Keep your servant also from willful sins. So the things I do know, (laughs) but I keep doing in rebellion against you, keep me from that. Keep me also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. So it feels like a jolt. It feels like a, well, I thought we were just talking about the goodness of God. Why all of a sudden are you down on yourself? Why are you, what, why? And, and here's the reason And it's actually not a jolt. It's actually very logical. And you see it through the scriptures over and over. And it's this. When we come into the presence of a holy God. Not only are we in awe of him, but we are reminded of all the parts in us that aren't holy. And it's humbling. Mm -hmm. It is humbling. When God is revealing himself to us, he also reveals ourselves to us. That's a grace of his presence. We see him in his holiness and then we remember, wait, what am I doing here? (laughs) How 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 do I get to see this God? How do I get to be in a relationship with this God? We're reminded. We have this knowledge of our own selves, that John Calvin in the 1500s, like 1536, first line of institutes, which is one of the most influential theology books in Christianity in the last 500 years. First line, our wisdom in so far as it ought to be deemed true and solid wisdom consists almost entirely of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. And then he goes on to say, without knowledge of God, there is no knowledge of self. When we interact with the presence of a holy God, we can't help but become aware of our unholiness. And that's why David jumps from how good and amazing God is and his word is to, God, please forgive me forgive my errors forgive my hidden false the things i don't even know about yet and i don't know why i do that or i don't know that it's broken i haven't even seen it yet and then god forgive me on things on top of that that i do know (laughs) and i can't seem to stop and i can't god forgive me here's what i'm trying to say if you meet someone if you really meet god you will be humble If you really meet God, you will be humble. If you know someone who is claiming to have a strong relationship with God and yet they don't have humility in their life, Mm. mmm, yeah. (laughs) Mmm is right. (laughs) (laughs) Dot, dot, dot. I'll let you fill in the blanks. Because when you really interact with God, Uh the one who made you, the one who knows you, the one who sees everything, you can't help but be humble In his presence. When we encounter God's presence, we get a sense of what's been keeping us out of God's presence. Do you guys see that? When we begin to see this glory, we're like, oh, but this and that and that. (laughs) He made all this and he's in control, but I haven't been honoring him. I've been rebelling against him. I've forgotten him. Right? Or, Or... We begin to see, I know that his glory is being proclaimed every day, but I've been ignoring it. I've forgotten that he's sovereign. I've forgotten that he loves me. Or I know that he's given me his word, but I've been ignoring it. I've been neglecting it. It's been collecting dust in my heart or on the shelf. But how beautiful is God's word that it anticipates that experience that all of us have had that David had thousands of years ago. God, forgive me. Then I'll be blameless. Then I'll be free from transgression. Forgive me. Before we move to the last point, maybe that's you today. Maybe as you're reading a psalm or as you're hearing my words, that's what God is putting on your heart. Maybe there's a sin that is in your life that you haven't given to God, you haven't repented and turned from and given it to God and asked for forgiveness. Maybe you need to repent today. Or maybe it's, you need to say, God, forgive my hidden faults. I don't even know what it is, but I need you to cleanse me. I need you to wash me, and then I'll be clean, amen? Amen. So God can use even our sins to point us and reveal to us our need for him. And then God reveals himself ultimately as our redeemer. God reveals himself ultimately as our redeemer, the last verse of the psalm. Need some water, and then we'll read it. Psalm 1914. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May these words in my mouth and this meditation in my heart be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's become a very important verse to me. It's one of the verses that I pray before I preach. It's one of the verses that um, it's become a life prayer. May, may the words in my mouth, may the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, God. But that last word of the last line of that psalm, Lord, my rock and my redeemer points us ahead. Points us ahead to something that David only knew in part and didn't know in full. It points us ahead to Jesus. Because God not only reveals himself in creation, he not only gives us this sense of awe so that when we climb a mountain or when we ride a wave or when we look at the stars, we can think, wow, how amazing is God in this world that he made? And He he didn't just reveal himself to us in his word. He doesn't... J- he, he lets us know his character. He lets us know his works. He lets us know um, how we can respond. He lets us know what it means to be in relationship with him. And gives us hope in the future. But he didn't just give us that. As great as that is. And he didn't just make us aware of our sin. <laughs> he doesn't just say, hey, but you're a sinner. And, and just deal with it. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Because what happens? He reveals himself as our Redeemer. He came to deal with our sin. John, the Gospel of John says this, the Word became flesh. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace, truth, If you want to see the pinnacle of God revealing himself to us, we look at Jesus, who was the word of God become flesh. So that we could see the glory of God in a person and in what he did. And what he did was come to be our redeemer. Amen. The God who revealed himself in the heavens came down to earth. The maker of heaven became a little baby. The word which is so beautiful and full of wisdom and more valuable than gold and sweeter than honey, the word put on flesh and became a person, Jesus Christ. And though his presence exposed our sin and made us aware of how how far we fall short, he didn't come to shame us, but he came to forgive us. He came to be our redeemer. A redeemer, in this sense, means one who purchases back freedom from bondage or slavery. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Why? Because I have a redeemer. Jesus Christ, who has bought me back, who has purchased my freedom. God reveals himself to us in Jesus that when he went to the cross, he was buying our freedom from sin. And he died in our place, but he rose again too to give us new hope and new life and a future. And he sent the Holy Spirit. And I love how this verse reminds me that when you receive Christ, when you believe that he is the Son of God and that he came to set you free and forgive you of your sin and give you the hope of eternal life, when you receive the Spirit, he begins to work within. God begins to work within you and change your heart from within to even want to please God. That's why I love reading this verse. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I know I have hidden faults and I don't know what to do about them. But God, it's an evidence of your work in my life that you even point me to you to ask for help. Amen? Amen. There's no way I would turn to you, God, if, if you weren't working in me by your Spirit. There's no way I would even grieve the sin in my life if it wasn't your, for your Spirit working within me and living within me to point it out to me and to point me back to your glory in the heavens and to point me back to your Word, which is sweeter than honey. Thank you, God, so much for being. Thank you, Jesus, for being our redeemer. Thank you, Jesus, for being my redeemer. Holy Spirit, make me want you more. Holy Spirit, set that fire in my soul so that I can long for you, so that I can burn for your presence even more, God. Holy Spirit, connect the dots in my heart again the next time I go out and see nature to remember your glory and your care for me, God. Holy Spirit, help me to see the way that you're revealing yourself to me right now in the middle of my situation. God, right now in spiritual dryness, right now when it seems like you're so far away, right now if it seems like I'm overwhelmed by my own sin and all I can see is my own failure, God, work in me. Give me hope. Amen? Amen. Amen. May the words in my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You guys would stand with me, and we're gonna pray. We're gonna close in prayer, and the band can come up uh, before I pray. Before I pray, I just want to mention we're gonna enter into a time of responding to God's word, and you know Psalms are a little Psalms are a little different. They even make for a little bit different of a sermon, but that's okay <laughs> because uh, it's it's a way that God has given us to connect with Him, and so. My prayer for you, for each of you in this moment, is that you would respond to whatever the Holy Spirit is nudging you in your heart to do. Whether it's uh, whether it's the, the reset thing, or whether it's the repent thing, or whether it's to to pray that the Spirit would move God's word from a should to a get to, or whether it's whether you're here and you need your faith in Jesus as the Redeemer. If you here and you haven't crossed that line of faith, maybe that step is. God's calling me to that. I need to turn from sin and believe in Jesus. Whatever that is, I I invite you to to respond. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much. Thank you for uh, your, your presence and your spirit that's here with us today, God. I thank you for this group of people that have gathered all because of you, Lord. We would not be here in a middle school in San Diego, if it weren't for what happened 2,000 years ago in Jesus. Jesus, that you, that you came, that you took on flesh, that you walked with us, that you showed us what God is truly like. And we're so thankful. Lord. God, I don't know what all that you're wanting to say to people today, but I do believe that you're wanting to speak and that you have, God. I do believe that you are... Pointing our hearts to you even now. And God, wherever that lands, wherever that sits, whatever situations that people are going through, you are the one who sees and knows and is calling and drawing right now. So, God, I just pray for faith to arise in every heart. And I pray that these next few minutes would not just be the minutes that we kind of wait till it's over and then we leave and hang out and all that stuff, Lord. But these next few minutes, Lord, that you would move. Lord, I believe that miracles happen. I believe maybe there's people here who are in need of a miracle, God. You do that, God. And and it is a miracle when we turn from doubt to faith, God. So I pray for that, Lord Jesus. Just pray that you would move in a powerful way. We open ourselves to it, and we believe and ask for that. In the name of Jesus, everyone said amen. Amen. Amen.